Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and still less ukulele. In this episode, I'm a well-established technology geek. It's in my blood. And it's surprising that I've waited this long to dig into the world of electronic hydrometers. To better understand the whys and wherefores, I'm sitting down with Noah Nabaron from Tilt Hydrometers to explore his product. Now, uh, Bene, uh, this is not a sponsored podcast. Uh, Tilt in is no way, of shape, or form giving us anything for doing this. I actually went and bought my device on my own. You guys heard me ask questions about it on the main podcast. And so I've been utterly fascinated with it, and I thought I'd sit down with Noah. But now first, a message from our actual sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association, a group of more than 40,000 individuals from more than 70 countries who share a passion for brewing and enjoying great beer. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to those messages and sticking around. Make sure that whenever you talk to any of our fine, fine sponsors that you've heard about them here on The Brew Files. Now, I'm a geek. I've talked about this in the past. I am absolutely fascinated with the Raspberry Pis. I'm absolutely fascinated with Arduinos. I had my first computer when I was like four years old, which would make it 1978. So I am a dyed-in-the-wool circuit board nerd. And... Beer has a lot of that same sort of attraction to it, you know, numbers and numbers abound. But for the longest time, we've been using a lot of very, very simple tools. And recently, things have changed. If you're a numbers nerd, you can finally satisfy your itch while brewing. And to talk about some of that, I have Noah here. Noah, introduce yourself to the people and tell them what the heck it is you make. All right. Yeah, my name is Noah, Noah Nybaron, and uh, the product that we make uh, that I have invented with a, a friend of mine is what we call a tilt hydrometer. And what it does is it measures a uh, gravity uh, for someone who's not a home brewer. That's the density of the beer, which directly relates to how much sugar is left, and how much alcohol you have remaining. Uh, and what it does is tell you how far along your rotation is, is going. And previously, before um, this product came out, the best way to do that was to use a just a regular hydrometer or classic hydrometer, some people call it, um, where you take a sample out of your fermenting beer, 
you drop this um, kind of float thing in, in a tube, long tube, and you read a number, and you keep doing that several times throughout the fermentation until finally it doesn't change anymore, and, and that's your what you call your final gravity. And it's it's a kind of an arduous process. When when I first started home brewing, I was um, you know I got one of these in my basic brewing kits, and I always intended to use it, but I just you know I was afraid to like open and contaminate my beer or not measure it or understand it correctly. And uh, I'm like, I decided that if it was just easier to use, um, I would actually use it. And, and that's, that's part of the, um, the reason behind this was to, to actually be able to, to track my beer and um, better understand the fermentation in a way that, that I would actually do, do it. Using a phone, just walking up to your fermenting beer with a phone and and getting that answer in two seconds just sounded really appealing. Well, and it's funny because to your point, a lot of the stuff that homebrewers have had access to and used over the years has been very old technology and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, the sacrometer has been around since the 1700s. It works. Um, but it does kind of, yeah, you're right. It, it entails risk. And it also very importantly, even with, uh, you know, our sponsor brewing America's hydrometer flask, it also, you know, still entails some beer wastage. And damn it, I made five gallons of beer. I want all those five gallons. Yeah. Well, and and when I first saw your product, I, it was like, I was really fascinated with it because when I, oh, it was like 2004, I went to the big Van Nuys Anheuser-Busch brewery, right? Massive factory that turns out millions of gallons of beer per, per year. And I walked into their fermentation cellar control room and they had these screens up that looked like you were at NORAD or something. And, you know, each tank, they were instantaneously saying, hey, you know, here's what the, the current gravity is. Uh, of course, they were doing it in Play-Doh. Uh, but like, here's what the current Play-Doh is. Here's the current pH. All these all these measurements. And I kept looking at that going, I wish I could do that as a homebrewer. And so now we come on to, uh, come on to the tilt. So actually, let's, let's back up. When did you actually get started brewing? Um, I actually was uh, homebrewing. I, I took a... Um a biotechnology certificate course at community college. And I, and for a project, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I liked beer. And I somehow convinced my uh, professor to like do like a home brewing project as sort of like a microbiology slash biotechnology uh, project. And I, you know, I, I, I did some testing on beer and looked at yeast under a microscope. But from that point forward, um, I kept going with it. Uh, and, you know, I, I was kind of off and on. That was probably back in uh, 2003 or so. So maybe, uh, I guess that's 18 years ago. Yeah, don't do not do that math. It, it always gets scarier. I know. That sounds like a really long time ago. It didn't sound that long to me. But um, I, I, I took some breaks. Um, here and there, uh, I got back into it when I uh, I, I had a um, a company that that had a um, a yearly homebrew competition on on the campus of the company, mm-hmm. and that was like one of my favorite parts about working there at this company, and uh, and and uh, I think uh, around the same time in my hometown, a Russian River Brewing Company, which is you know pretty well known now, but it was pretty, it wasn't well known at the time. It just really inspired me to um, 
you know, to get back to home brewing some more. And, you know, I really wanted to make a plant of the elder and, and all that. And then I got into these home brewing competitions and then I joined a homebrew club that was part of a, um, a homebrew shop in, in, uh, in California in uh, Marin County. And, uh, you know, I, I just developed it further and further um, until I you know, came upon this tilt idea. I kept brewing and, and using tilts, but as, as time went on, I started focusing a lot of energy on the product itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's amazing how much time it takes when you have uh, a full-time job, uh, a homebrewing hobby, plus trying to create a, um, a product and company. So it was, it was quite a challenge. So let's talk about the 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 tilt idea. Uh, where'd you where'd you stumble upon that? Um, well, interesting because that idea, you know, I I think I always come up with just sort of random ideas. I think a lot of people do, you know, just kind of what if or this or that. Um, I was at my friend's uh, bachelor party, and it was like, you know, I was think I was talking to a friend of mine who's an engineer, and he'd been doing a lot of work in using um, accelerometers, which are like these little uh, electrical devices that measure the the direction of gravity and, and, you know, how many G's of gravity. And these, these are used in in phones to tell you whether you're taking a portrait or landscape photo. They're, they're really common nowadays actually, but they used to be really expensive. And he was building some uh, device that was going to be used in um, maybe a Nintendo controller or TV controller that would let you, kind of point at a TV and, and, and it would sense where you're pointing. Um, and so I, I don't know, it just popped in my head, you know, to like use one of these, these like off the shelf kind of, uh, sensors, mm-hmm. uh, to, um, to measure, to, to use the direction of gravity as, as a way to measure specific gravity. And, and you would do that by, my original concept was to have two hydrometers or two floats so you have like a ping pong ball kind of thing mm-hmm. and then you have a regular hydrometer and then you connect that with a um like a rock and so depending on how high or low the um the hydrometer was was floating the the, the angle on that rod would, would change so if you attached a um accelerometer there it would tell you what, what the incline was on that rod the problem was is some some kind of contraption like that would be just a complete like it just wouldn't work it's just too too messy so we ended up uh, figuring out how to just put it all into a tube right and so and the product that comes today when people go to uh, go and buy a tilt hydrometer it basically looks like you got a fairly heavy for its size uh test tube with a circuit board and a battery and a colored ring that's right the the way that it's it's constructed it's the top of it is like a float it floats really well and the bottom of it has a weight and the weight is off center so that's always um you know floating at an angle um it's actually funny because when you look at the specifications for making a traditional hydrometer one of the requirements is that it doesn't float at an angle it floats very like vertically Obviously, if you had a regular hydrometer that was kind of floating at an angle, it's not that great. People have a hard enough time reading a, a standard hydrometer. If you put it at an angle, suddenly everything would be confused. <laughs> right, yeah. If, if, if you bought one that was just a little off, off like that, it would be really hard to read. 
Um, but this this is you know, purpose built for that reason. Um, and one of the one of the benefits, or one of the the, the reasons why it works so well, is that um, you can actually calibrate. It's actually easier to calibrate in some ways than a regular hydrometer because uh, there's electronics in it, and it it they can be smart. With a regular hydrometer, you know, there's this little piece of paper that you kind of put in there and you kind of adjust that to, like, you know, to build a regular hydrometer. But with uh, with electronics, you can have it um, kind of detect what solution it's in. So when you calibrate it, it's it it, it it kind of knows what to do. So it's it actually works really well with with electronics and uh, and that whole like design style. And I referenced earlier, like the Arduinos and the Raspberry Pis. And I mean, you, you obviously still have a very large attachment with Raspberry Pis, given some of the other stuff that they're having. But I mean, is that kind of the, the basis for the, for that device? And then it becomes custom fabbed and all that sort of stuff? Well, yeah, the, the Raspberry Pi has been great for, for Tilt uh, because uh, it does work with the Bluetooth technology that it, that it had, that it has. And it's low cost and it's highly modifiable and popular and well documented. And I, and I actually think um, it, it, I think it, for brewers, it, it, it exposes a technology that, uh, you know, is pretty widely usable. So it's, it's, I kind of like to think that, you know, anyone who, who's used a, a tilt and used some of the accessories with it, like those and, and other software with it, it, you know, is, is, uh, is, is learning like general computing skills that can be useful anywhere. So it's, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of like that aspect of it, I guess. Well, it did give me a good excuse to uh, dig out the Pi Zero I had in in a drawer somewhere and, you know, install the software there. And it also gave me a really great, great excuse to say, hey, I, I need a TV now out in the brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it has... Uh, uh, even the Google Sheets thing, like you mentioned, um, I I worked in a supply chain at a, a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company, and while I was there, there was this huge like anti, you know, Microsoft Excel thing, where you know, Excel was like the most evil program there was because everyone had these like individual Excel spreadsheets. And what we really needed was some like giant like master system that everyone used, and I didn't agree with that. I thought that there's nothing wrong with that with with, with Microsoft Excel, um, mainly because um, you can for someone who can't really program, like, and I'm not I'm not an engineer. You can actually do a lot, like a lot of it's a great calculator. It's just a giant calculator, and it has you know tons of features and and functions and all this stuff. Like, why would you take away like a, a valuable programming device? Uh, because that's that does it's useful just useful just like any kind of like calculator would be useful um dumb it down into some kind of like form field thing so i actually thought that using google sheets which is a free kind of excel program um with the tilt would be perfect because it's so modifiable you can if you want to do some calculations on your data you know it's right there you don't have to program some new app really you, you know you can just just kind of go into a, one of the cells and just do some calculations right and so actually i think that's actually a good point we should probably back up just for a moment there 
and explain to people that the way this normally works is so you have these different colored uh, tilts and i assume they're different colors because it's what different bluetooth channels they're they're modeled after the classic um radio channels um where you would have different frequencies but it's not really it's digital so it's not really like that it's um i don't even know how bluetooth really works in that way I, I know there's a there's like a chan there's three different channels but it it doesn't really um that's not really how it works it the the way the the way the bluetooth works is is it's a broadcast uh, like a digital packet that is sent every second and it takes like you know seconds for this broadcast to to, to be, be um broadcasted and many like many devices can receive this broadcast so you can have you know, several Raspberry Pis and a phone and all kinds of devices receive the same exact broadcast. It's kind of like radio where you can have several receivers at once. Um, and and I, we, I discovered the benefit of that is that the one of the challenging parts with connecting with any kind of technology, wireless technology, is, is forming a connection, which means that, you know, you have to have two devices kind of like handshaking, kind of like always knowing that, they're still connected and there's no data interruptions when it's just a broadcast. It's much easier to, and uh, simpler to transfer data and it's much longer range, which means less power and more reliability. Um, and so the colors, um, are, are, well, even if there was a real connection and not a broadcast, we, we discovered quickly that, you know, we had several prototypes, kind of lying around and we just didn't know which one was was the one that we were actually using there's no wire connected to it and it's just obvious like how do you how do you quickly identify uh, something and i think classically it's always been color with you know radio devices like even as a kid i had like remote control cars and there was like a red you know you had a red 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 version and like a blue um so yeah, that's I. Um, you have a, a specific pie with a specific color that's broadcasting it out in a specific way, or with a specific, yeah. specific identifier. Uh, yeah. And then either using a, your phone or an old phone. I know, like when the tilts first happened, a lot of people were like, "Well, you know, I got this old iPhone that's not doing anything anymore. Here, plug it in and turn on the Wi-Fi. Let it do it. Yeah, do its thing. Yeah, when that." starts to connect then the other part that i thought was kind of cool and what you referenced earlier is that the tilt then starts basically adding data into a unique google spreadsheet for mm -hmm. that particular beer and right. you can go and set it up and say hey you know this session and it starts recording the second basically what the tilt goes into solution and starts to float uh yeah exactly the um the the reason one of the reasons we we also chose actually we weren't just going to use google sheet we kind of wanted to make the, um, the platform kind of agnostic. Like, you know, you can choose whatever cloud platform you want to use. Sort of like when you when you get a phone, you can use whatever email account you want to use if you, kind of thing. It ended up being like too much work to figure out all these different cloud systems. So what, en what ended up happening is a lot of, a lot of people and companies m made their own cloud um, system that, uh, you could get this, you know, URL kind of you know, thing you put in a web page link um, that, that um, you know, now we probably have five, five to ten different companies that you can use as an alternative to, to Google Sheets. Um, so, so we still kind of have that 
but but as far as like the, the default Google Sheets that we set up, you know, I still think it's a really good product, especially considering it's we don't you know it's not something we really pay for. Uh, it's just a service like your Gmail account that you don't really pay for, and it works really well. I mean, it's just uh, it's where it's you know I've I've done a few little edits to make it a little faster and more more flexible over the time, but generally it's worked really well. And it's also helped me learn a couple of different uh, Google Sheets techniques that I've used in other Google Sheets I've put together. Um, well, and and what I think is interesting about it is that depending upon how much of a nerd you are and how much you're willing to go dig underneath things, you, you, can, you can actually learn and see a lot about what's happening with the data. And you can manipulate the data a lot. You know, just in situ there, like, and I figured that out at one point when I started recording, recording early and had to switch it off and then switch it back on and then had to stitch together two sessions in order to get the the full flow. And I, I was like, wait, how's this working? And that was fun for me because, again, I'm a nerd. Yeah, I think it is. It's a kind of a fun, like, very flexible, open platform to me. And it's not just anything negative about some of the more like streamlined, kind of pre-built, everything is kind of done for you kind of thing. I, I do like the, um, the that kind of flexibility of of, of 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 just a grid. It's a grid of 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 numbers that you just do calculations on. Just that's that simple. Well, and of course, there's also the the fun of just being able to stare at it and go, "Hmm, what's going on? How much of the the creation of this tilt is driven by like that sort of enjoyment of watching the numbers come across and understanding what's happening?" Yeah, you know, was that a, a big portion of the reason that you went to go make this, or was it just like the idea hit you and you went, "I'm going to go do this now"? Not because you were driven by wanting to know those numbers. No, I, I did. I, I wanted to, to know these numbers uh, because I wanted to know what was going on with with here and like what was actually happening uh, instead of just kind of looking at the foam and like, is there a lot of foam? Is, is this, is this did it stop bubbling? Or um, you know, what's going on? Um, and, and I have discovered some things like one of the most recent discovery that I've had is that, and I, and I kind of, I confirmed it in reading some other articles is that with like there, there's a, in hops, there's actually some enzymes that I guess will, um, break down, uh, uh, some of the, like, uh, the complex carbohydrates that may still be, uh, in the wort. So when you add like dry hops, you can actually get. Um, continued fermentation the dreaded hop creep yeah hop creeps you can actually see like like so i i I, you know i I would witness it i'd be like oh that's hop you know and uh and i I even had um one issue with us what i thought was a stuck fermentation but what was really going on was that i had uh mashed my beer my 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 the, the mash temperature was too high i think and um i actually added amylase enzymes you know that are i got from a brew shop and you know the fermentation started back up again you know and it, it, i always thought it was because you know oh the beer was, was it was fermenting it was too cold or you didn't have a big enough starter or um you don't have enough nutrients but i never thought of oh well maybe um this this yeast can't actually break down this carbohydrate and some can you know some some can't some 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 won't well, so let me ask, because obviously you got that one big, that one big thing is, you know, you can watch your numbers and, and see that your fermentation is progressing. And in talking, I, I'd actually put out a call on the, on the main show on the podcast and saying, Hey, look, you know, 
I've, I finally just went and bought myself one of these gizmos because I've been looking at them for a while and, and thinking, well, it's kind of nifty. What are your what are your tips and tricks? And of course, I had a lot of users come back and, and give us some different things. But one of the other things that seemed to be almost universal was that people were saying, you know, this is really, really good for giving you that general sense of what's going on and giving you that general ability to follow. But one, don't obsess too much over what the numbers are as much as the general trend. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I noticed particularly as fermentation slowed down, or actually, sorry, not while fermentation slowed down, but while fermentation was rocking, and I must have been having like a nice high croissant and a lot of violent activity mm-hmm. in there. You could see the gravity wibble just yeah. based on like what was the angle of the tilt at that particular time and was it getting hit by like a, a CO2 bubble or something, right? Yeah, well, it's, I mean... If you like, I've seen like I've used carboys, glass carboys a lot, and you can see it's it's a there's a storm. It's a it's a um, turbulent yeast storm during the like Krausen. It's not even bubbles. I, I don't even think it's bubbles. It's convection. I don't know. If it's swimming all really fast, like a eating frenzy sort of thing. Um, but so yeah, there is um, and there's yeah, and it's going to get knocked around a lot. And our Tilt Pro is actually heavier. And so it, it prevents, you know, it's, a, it's sort of like a bigger ship in, in a stormy water kind of situation. So it's more stable. Yeah. As long as it's not a bigger ship in the Suez Canal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is definitely too big. <laughs> well, and so, yeah. And for people who don't know, uh, most homebrewers I think now are probably familiar with the tilt and then you have a tilt pro, which uh, I guess is, it's really more for like a small craft brewery than, than necessarily for homebrewers is is that the general idea or is it still yeah yeah okay yeah I mean it's 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 also for um uh you know in the stainless steel with a larger stainless steel um, fermenter really I mean it has has improved range it's it's heavier so it's more stable um, it's actually the, the the conical shape of it it's a little more conical shape so there's less exposed um, on the top which if you have a really sticky yeast can kind of throw off the readings if it like sticks to it. So it has a few things that we think, you know, improve the accuracy and precision and uh, wireless range. And it's also, um, it also has an extra place for both temperature and SG. So you, you get a little more um, precision there, like measurement precision. So, you know, your graphs look smoother and all that. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's bigger. It, co- it costs more to build because it's, it's bigger and it's heavier to ship. And it's, it's funny how just a slight like, increase in size just makes it uh, just harder to build and heavier. And so that's, it, it does cost more, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, very, it's a great product. I, you know, I brew with it and it's, it's great. Well, it's good to know that you brew with it because <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be a, a big statement otherwise. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't fit in a, in a glass carboy. So that's the one um, thing that it won't, we won't do is, is in your five gallon, six gallon carboy. Right. But, but I mean, even like for a humber like me, uh, so not necessarily for somebody who's using buckets, right. But yeah. like for a guy yeah. like me, right. who I ferment in a couple of stainless steel grandfather conicals. Okay. You know, yeah. And, and those have a jacket around them. And I, and I did notice that with the, the regular tilt that I have, I had to make sure I had to be very careful about where I, I had my raspberry pie set up right. so that right. it would actually catch the signal completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I seem to notice when the thing was at higher croissant, I think some of the croissant was interfering with the signal too. Yeah, you're right. And that's why. So, so one of the, um, the benefits of 
of not having like too much like power or energy um, being consumed in the product, which would you know give it potentially longer range. But another problem would be that it would create a lot of heat, which would make the temperature not as accurate. And then um, it would also use more battery, so you'd be spending a lot more time either changing the battery or charging something, uh, which is something that just like you know, there's so much inner brew day like brewing that like to like plan on like you know the night before like charging up some battery and then making sure that when you seal it back up it's you know all 100% sealed it's not it's not going to leak or anything and doing that every time is just it just seems like an extra kind of extra task so that's the trade off all right so no we've talked about the numbers aspect Denny, of course, being Denny and being, you know, curmudgeonly like he is. And I love the man, but he is a curmudgeon. A lot of homebrewers will look at look at a device like the Tilt and say, why do I need that? So yeah. g- give me your 30 second pitch to the to the curmudgeons, to the curmudgeons of the world. Why do I need a Tilt? Yeah, I've, I've talked to uh, these curmudgeons and I, um, I would say that uh, you, you actually like I'll agree you don't need it. Like I'm not going to try to sell someone who has a perfect method or process um, figured out and they do it right every time and that works out. But if you want to, um, if you're new to brewing or you want to be more experimental or you don't have, you don't want to just follow a process. I mean, when, uh, when, 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 uh, when brewing was invented, there were no thermometers either. The way they they they, they made mashed um, beer was, you know, they would take well water, which is a very stable temperature, and mix that with boiling water, and then that would always make you know 152 degree strike water or whatever they were they were trying to make. So they would just you know m- mix volumes of boiling water and well water, no 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 thermometer. So are these same curmudgeons not using a thermometer either? You know that would be that would be my question. What do you think is the biggest selling point for the non-curmudgeon? Um, for the non-curmudgeon, I would say the biggest selling point is uh, a, a, just a more interactive experience in brewing, understanding, you know, being able to see what you're doing. In fact, have some some blind um, customers who really enjoy using the product because it allows them to see what's going on. And in actuality, like you know, we're all kind of blind to what exactly the specific gravity is um, unless we you know find out so it, it kind of it just gives you a better viewpoint of of what you're doing and i will admit that i the first batch of beer that i did with it i really did kind of sit here in my office which is probably about 120 feet away from the garage where i brew and i i kept checking my phone and going "Ooh, look at where we're at <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean it's it's uh yeah, it's like happening. It's like you see like you see I mean you can see the bubbles, you can see the foam and stuff, but you can also see these numbers. You can see uh what you're seeing is is the you know the buoyancy of this thing change and that's because the, your sugars are turning into um you know carbon dioxide and they're like, they're disappearing and you're you're getting you're getting, you know, beer. Uh it, it is kind of the the digital version of watching your airlock dance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, it's, I mean, the thing with airlock is that um, 
you know, it doesn't, uh, it, it's more of a, um, I, I kind of look at it as more of a, um, it doesn't really tell you like the current quantity. It tells you, I don't know, I guess it's more like the difference between like a, like a, a gas pedal versus like a speedometer. Like, would you, would you get rid of your speedometer and just determine your speed based on how, you know, how far down your foot was on the gas pedal? Uh, I mean, some people do, but it's just not as like, you just don't know. It's just not as clear. I know what, so you have the regular tilt, you have the tilt pro, you've got a repeater set up, you have a free image for people to use with a raspberry Pi device that they can, that they can buy. I mean, what, I think a Pi zero is what, 10 bucks. And so for the cost of 10 bucks and a, and an SD card, you can, you know, suddenly run a little Linux computer that gives you a nice display and does all the updating for you. Any, anything on the horizon for tilt? Right now, we're um, you know we have this Tilt Pro we've released. Uh, we have this repeater. We have actually one of the things we're trying to make highly available are um, spare parts, uh, so that you know the product has plastic casing. It's not gonna. It's not like metal that will last forever. So we want to support our customers with you know the ability to keep their tilt looking as new as possible. We're, you know, we're, we're getting this product out to as many countries and uh, dealers as, as we can. Um, and so, you know, it'll be more of a shared experience with other brewers, you know, just, just, you know, staying, you know, staying in business, staying, you know, getting our product out there and, and making this a real, um, you know, highly available, highly useful, common kind of tool. I mean, if you look at Raspberry Pi, they've, they're more than just like a cheap computer. They, they, the, the amount of information uh, that you find about them is incredible uh, because there's so many uh, customers of, you know, who have purchased these. It's, it's just, even if someone made a copy of a Raspberry Pi, it just wouldn't do anything because there's just not enough information on it or because it hasn't been around long enough and just hasn't been adopted. So, you know, our goal is to, um, you know, make this a widely adopt, adopted product, you know, internationally that, um, you know, people can, can kind of share tips on, you know, technology tips or usage or, 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 or all of that. All right. Well, there you go. So before I let you go, any last words for the, for the homebrewers of the world out there? All right. And they can go to tilthydrometer.com to go explore your products. Right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I would just say, you know, ha- enjoy brewing. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's the motto, you know, um, and you can't go wrong, you know, just relax, have a homebrew. I think that's, that's a great uh, slogan. Well, Noah, thank you for taking some time today to talk to us about the, the tilt. I think it's kind of an interesting and fun product. Uh, I'm having fun with the one that I have. I'm probably going to go and get another one because I got more than one conical. So, <laughs> Right. Now that now that I've seen the power of numbers, or at least the the, the power of the dancing numbers, yeah, uh, I'm I'm rather uh, chuffed. So, thank you so much. Oh, of course, thank you, Drew, for the uh, opportunity to to talk tilt. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of the Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at the wonderfully nerdy digital world of the tilt hydrometer. What do you think? Is a digital hydrometer something that you'd want in your brew life? Or are you more curmudgeonly and more old-fashioned about it? Or is it just not a thing that you need because it doesn't do what you want? Is there another of these digital hydrometers that you do enjoy or use? Let me know. 
Now remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcastexperimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA, Amazon, Brewers, Friends, or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is still World Central Kitchen, helping feed those who need help. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files.